Like you used yeah. to drive down the road, see a dentist. That was the only dentist you'd go to, right? Now it's like, I need a dentist. Just go on your phone and you search and there's 42 of them right around you. And you're like, all right, I can take my pick. You know, <laughs> it's so true. Downtown, there's only one dentist. Nope, there's 10 now. And they're all around town and they tell me where they're at. I mean, unless someone told you where they were, you didn't know. So the world yeah. is getting closer to digital every day, no matter what the industry is. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. I'm super excited for our guest here today. Today's episode is brought to you by Moved30.com. It's a entrepreneur transformational program to get you into momentum as an entrepreneur. And today's guest, I'm super pumped to have Cody near here. We've got all kinds of skill cut, cool stuff to chat about. How you doing, man? Hey, good, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too, man. We were, uh, your mic's much better when we got started, we were so much further away. So it's much better, man. So I always dive right into, you know, the past. I always kind of like to open up these episodes as entrepreneurs so that people can kind of relate to how this all started, right? So yeah. as I go back, I always sometimes like to dive in, like, were you an entrepreneur as a kid? Were you somebody that kind of fell into it? Was it family kind of thing? Where, where was your initiation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you asked that question perfectly because typically it's like, oh, how'd you get started? And I start right with the professional side, but never did think about like the family that I do as a kid because the reality was I was a baseball player growing up. If you like before I go into my last 12 years of business, had you looked up Cody Near on the internet, it would have been baseball player. You know, I went to University of Florida, played baseball there for the Gators, uh, played professional baseball. My entire life growing up was I was going to be a baseball player. So um, entrepreneur grown up. No, my dad owned a concrete pumping business. We were dirt poor. We, uh, ate peanut butter and jellies and spaghetti growing up. And, uh, and yeah, I had no idea of like making money was a thing. I thought, Oh, I'm going to be a baseball player. So, um, it didn't happen until after my sports career that I got into becoming an entrepreneur and it started legit. Like probably most people think, um, that doesn't ever happen, but it legit started with me going to Google and typing in how, how do I make money? Mm. How do I make money online? Uh, that's legit. The journey started there. Uh, I came across people uh, who had podcasts much like this, who had websites that talked about different styles of businesses you can build, um, different things you could do online, SEO, paid traffic, you know, start a marketing agency, yeah. everything you can imagine there, right? And mm. uh, one of the guys that came across, this is, this is, this is the funny part is uh, now uh, a lot of people know who he is, but it's just Alex Becker. I mean, mm -hmm. came across his like 2011, it's called Source Wave uh, SEO is what he had his original business. I took his course, uh, went to a job application online uh, for Thomson Reuters, which if mm -hmm. you don't know that is their $6 billion business, they own mm -hmm. finelaw.com and a whole bunch of other shit. Uh, and the job was SEO manager. And I applied knowing what I took out of his course. And I walked into an interview and the guy and I had a good conversation. He hired me on the spot. I literally took an online course, had no idea how to do digital business, walked into an interview, got hired to do a job I learned from somebody else on the internet. Um, that's how it started. Dude, that's cool, man. And so at that time, you were more, it was more of a corporate SEO kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like link building, content building strategy. I was going to say, dude, how long ago was that? More than 10? Oh yeah. I mean, that's two. I ended my 2009 ish. So right after that 2010 ish area, uh, 
roughly there. So, and um, so you stayed with that company for a while. No, actually. <laughs> so I stayed, I stayed there for about a year working mm. findlaw.com, which is, you know, in itself was pretty cool, but uh, went into a big ass building in Egan, Minnesota. Um, I'm from Florida, by the way, my wife and I moved up there. She was working at general mills at the time. Mm. Um, and so I went up there and that's when I started going on this journey. This was post baseball. She was the, the breadwinner. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we went to Minnesota and it started me down this rabbit hole of what am I going to do in life post baseball? And now, now it's not a, not a, um, you know, time to hit the real world, you know? And I was like, I needed to figure out something. So that's what led me to looking on the internet and found this, but yeah, after that, I went to target corporation target, like the target, like the, the retailer target. Yeah. Um, but I was in their marketing and, and, uh, corporate headquarters downtown for their, uh, marketing department, uh, in that previous role, I had set up Google SEM SEO. And mm -hmm. one of the roles was we were, they, at the time said, we're launching our paid social media, uh, channel. Essentially they had never ran paid social ads at the time. Wow. One of the initiatives was to get downloads for the cartwheel app. And so much like the previous job interview applied, went in, uh, had a good conversation, limited experience, right? We had one job prior to this, um, and just, you know, hit it off and got that job, um, which was interesting. Those, those are definitely, yeah, those are definitely times. Like when you think about it, it's like, you know, the businesses didn't know much. So if you knew little, <laughs> you were like the, the asset, right? Yeah, yeah. It, but they also back then they'd be like, well, what are you doing? And you explain it. And they're like, I don't get it. Just go do what you do. <laughs> Sounds good. Here's, here's the payroll or the paycheck and the MX. Go do whatever you think we're supposed to be doing based on what everybody else tells us we need to be doing. Uh, we need to be on Facebook. We need to be on Google. Yeah. We need to be on like, you know, like that was, that's how they, they didn't hire people that could go do those things. What was the feeling? And I know we'll move into the business side, but like, what was the feeling of working for uh, like the corporation of like Target or something like that? Was there anything that you were surprised about? Because I think many of us don't ever hear this inside of those big old corporations. Uh, well, the first time I ever seen a black Amex and there's a, I, I realized there's an Amex with a different color. It's not even black. There's a, a step above that. And Target has one of those because <laughs> I would, I would insert into uh, at the time it was called power editor for Facebook. Um, which we launched with Facebook. I went to Palo Alto, told them what's good and bad during this process. Like, hey, this sucks. This is good. Um, but there was like a budget and they didn't have one. It was, that was the, they were like, oh man, spend as much as you can. And I'm like, wow, that's, they don't, they didn't even know what paid budgets were. I mean, I don't think they had an idea, but we would run the ads. We would get clicks. People would buy stuff and they'd say, we're making more than we're spending. Keep doing it. And that was the shock to me because I was like, man, there's people out here that got bags of money. And that was that was the market department for Target Corporation. You just felt like we can actually it's what a good testing ground, right? Right. I had nobody to tell me no. And that was to your point, man, that was some good learning. Man, I did. I did a, a marketing um, deal with Justin Timberlake. Mm. Sat at a table with him, had no idea what the hell I was doing. Not not like what I was doing as a business person, but like at the time that what I was doing was going to be important in my life. Mm. I never took a picture with this guy, you know, conversation. I'm sitting at desk. Like I'm, oh, I'm I, I work at target, you know, this is what mm. I do. Uh, mm. But never realized like, maybe I should take a picture of myself with Justin Timberlake doing something like this. Same thing with Ellen DeGeneres. They yeah. did some launches with target and stuff. You know, I'm the guy leading the paid social. So I'm the one that has to, how do we do this campaign and go in an office, talk about what can we say and do and get pictures and how do we do the creative and copy um, so yeah, it was interesting because it was, uh, you know, 
I didn't realize what exactly I was learning and doing at the time. Now I look back and I'm like, man, that was some pretty, pretty cool stuff. Well, and kind of listening, there's so much like to unpack here. And one of the questions I would have is, were you one of those guys that baseball was the difficulty to move on? You know, there's some guys that play the sport when they have to transition, dude, there's just this, like, I'm not that guy anymore. How, How did you handle that? Um, I did that for about a year. That's uh, like the pouting in the, um, uh, you know, like identity crisis. I still have a lot of friends that are in there, by the way. And they made, they made tons of money playing baseball and they come out and they're like, money's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't need money, but like, what the hell do I do in life now? Um, and I did that for about a year. And the cool thing was, um, bills start coming and it didn't allow me to give a shit about my, my, being in my pity about sports. And it's like, no, nah, I got to pay for a vehicle. I got to pay for a rent. I got to pay for food. I got to do all this shit by myself now. Like mommy, daddy ain't here. I'm four years mm-hmm. out of, uh, you know, professional baseball. Like I got to either I give up or I got to go. And I just, you know, kind of went, um, I had, they repoed my truck back then. That's dope. I'll always remember like, ah, I walked outside, the car was gone. I was like, that's what happens when you don't pay your bills. <laughs> so <there's> a, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that, that, that definitely is a, a, a memory right you probably can remember that one like yesterday oh yeah i remember literally walking out barefooted like where the hell is the truck <laughs> and then you take a step back you're like oh it all makes sense yeah <laughs> you don't pay the bills that's how the world works but yeah that's, so that's an interesting story because like you kick and in the story we talk about is like basically you know you were in a position where you felt like you know you weren't in a in a fluent family if, if that was the story i really wasn't either so in that when when you went to target you're then going dude there's all this money around here like this is yeah. something you've probably never seen you worked for a big company before but then when you decided to kind of shift off and go okay i'm gonna break off what was that moment of saying i could do something myself because those are those are encouraging situations what was going on for well, you I- I paid my debt that I owed college debt, just credit card debt and all that stuff by having those jobs. I learned skills I can't replace by those jobs. So I'll never discredit those two things that I got out of taking a job. And I tell people that are entrepreneurs all the time or trying to figure out kind of be an entrepreneur, like I cannot replace the fact that I had a steady income, paid my bills, figured out that I wanted to do more, like had that earning like inside me to want to go do more. But I couldn't have done it if I hadn't wake, woke up and went to another job that paid me to do a task so I could do that. So, but really what got me was I was spending money on Target, literally Target.com. And the goal was to drive traffic to Target.com to get someone to buy furniture. Mm. And I was like, man, I just spent 20 bucks and someone's just spent 10 grand on the internet. They just swiped their credit card on the internet for $10,000. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> Dude, and that's the sure. trigger. I was like, wait a second. I'm like Target's not the only person that has furniture or anything for that matter. And um, I was like, I just need a product. And that's literally when I started going down the rabbit hole um, of like, where's mine? What am I going to do? That's what, that's what transitioned it. And um, at the time I still am very much now, but obviously much older and, and I don't know about wiser, but mentally wiser, I guess, but Dude, I say that all the time. Yeah, you know, I said, I, I know some other stuff I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I know more shit than I did that I do now than I did then, but whether or not I've changed, that's a different thing. But I was passionate <laughs> about a lot of different things back in the day. Um, more passionate about certain things now, obviously four month old baby married, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, there, but back then I was just passionate about like hunting and fishing, two things that you don't get paid to do. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it would be really sweet to figure out how to make money doing those two things. And like every other kid, how do I make money playing a sport? How do I make money fishing and hunting? And so you didn't, you didn't let it go. No, you just I didn't changed quite. it. And I was like, I'm going to figure <laughs> this shit out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be able to make money with things that I'm passionate about. And so I started a uh, hunting and fishing brand. Like I say brand, but at the time it was like, I would created some logos. I made some decals. I started running Facebook ads for myself and people were buying them. And I was like, sweet. And at the time, like you get like a $5 CPA on a Facebook ad. So like if I sold a $10 sticker, I was like, man, I made money. Like I made five bucks. Now you're not going to get, you're not going to sniff anything for 20, 30, 40 bucks. Right. But um, back then I was like, man, I could be profitable. Uh, so that's what got me the ball rolling as I literally created these logos. They were like deer heads and, deer designs and stuff. And people were buying these decals and I was running Facebook ads to it and started building landing pages and, you know, e-commerce stores. And it evolved into this brand, eventually an eight figure brand. I was selling the Shields, Bass Pro, Cabela's, Gander Mountain. I had hats. I mean, I'm sitting here on this video. I got a box. This is from two years ago. I haven't used it, but these are just literally hats that we used to sell. Like this is a fish, you know, like there's all sorts of, we used to sell like tens of thousands of these things a month. And this is a box just sitting here that's been sitting here for like four months that I haven't, I don't, but like we sell a ton of hats, decals, stickers, mm-hmm. shirts, everything in the hunting and fishing niche. Um, and uh, yeah, it went from literally a $10 decal. Well, I need a product to, you know, evolved into, like I said, like an eight figure uh, branded business, which uh, did got you, me into Did you the, take the avenue of, of uh, uh, stocking things or did you take the avenue of finding um, uh, uh, partnerships to either drop ship? Yeah. What, what was your avenue? I started out with, I'm going to go buy uh, decals and then I'm going to ship them when I sell them. And then uh, this was about 2000 and 11, 12 ish. I said, uh, I said, man, it's shipping this stuff sucks, you know? So I said, well, what am I going to do? Um, and there are two, two options, right? Like when you got your, you're going to ship it yourself or you're going to have somebody else ship it for you. Right. Yeah. Um, well I did both. Um, and what that means is I literally bought a screen printing embroidery machine. I bought, um, a decal printer, all this stuff. I got it all. And then I hired my brother to run the shop and then I just focused on marketing. So I shipped it myself, but technically I wasn't personally shipping anymore. So I yeah. still can. You expanded. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, let him focus on the scale of the business and stuff. So um, started out with buying the products and shipping it. And then eventually we would just start making everything in house. And you started making everything in house. And then did that turn into more of a custom scenario or did you find yourself kind of. Yeah, we had a lot of B2B clients, local businesses. That was, uh, you know, that extra, extra money. But then I had all these other concepts, all these other websites and e-commerce ideas that we were, you know, testing out of there, um, different designs, different niches. Um, that's what evolved to this, um, big stitchy, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, embroidery on demand app through Shopify, where now you can go on and, and instead of you having to find a, somebody to embroider a hat, come to us, you download the app, you design your design for your hat. The order comes through from your customer, comes to us, we stitch it, send it to your customer, gets a track and looks like it came from you. We do all of that whole thing now through the big stitchy, but um, yeah. And for was, anybody uh, that doesn't know, like that's the release of pressure for someone that wants to go out there and market is astronomical because just go be the face, have a great relationship with someone that delivers 
And then you maybe get to go do the thing you want to do, right? Because that whole operation is a different ball game. You know, I mean, even you just explained it. You say, I had to hand it to my brother. <laughs> like, I, you know, like you can't split tails, you know? Yeah, three, make a good point. Two. Give up the things that you're not good at. Let somebody else help you with those things. Yeah, that's that's like super true. What are, what are some things, and I, I always like to bring these up. It's like, what are some things in baseball that you learned that you kind of parlay into business? Man, uh, they're all, I think they're all bad. But the reality was tobacco, uh, chasing women, spending money frivolously. No, I kid. Uh, the reality is leadership. Let's continue. Let's I mean, continue. yeah. <laughs> keep no, the, the, in, in, in the business side, the good things, though, is literally like leadership. I was a catcher. I was like the field general. I mean, okay. that's a trait, a personality trait that I carried out. Perfect. Um, you know, I'm looking at the whole field. I'm seeing everything, calling the shots, calling every pitch, the whole nine yards. Got to know what everything's going on. If you're playing right field, all you do is wait for a ball to hit to you, catch it, throw it in. That's that's you don't you don't look at what the first baseman's doing, you know what third base is doing. You're looking at right field, and ball comes to me, I catch it. It's very simple. The other thing is I got to know what all nine positions are doing um, on the field. So that like not only just being a general leader, but knowing what everything else is doing. That's another trait of just kind of like being uh, all knowing, you know, of like all the moving parts. So that's another trait that baseball taught. And then the other thing is just, I mean, teamwork, uh, you know, how to deal with different personalities, different people from different parts of the world. These are all things that, you know, at the time, maybe I didn't appreciate, but for certain uh, now, you know, um, different backgrounds, different cultures, how people were raised. um, You know, some people were raised with a spoon in their mouth, a golden spoon in their mouth. Some people were raised with nothing and they Mm -hmm. have vastly different ways you can approach them. Uh, you can approach somebody with nothing and tell them you need to bust your ass harder and do more. They'll say, okay, I'll work. You can press somebody with a golden spoon in their mouth, tell them to bust their ass work harder. They're going to, nah, I'm good. I don't need to. Like, I'm good. I got a golden spoon in my mouth. I'm good. Like, no worries. That's a really interesting conversation because there's some people, oh, what a tough conversation, right? Because if you're born into money, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, that's not there. And I heard a conversation about someone that basically was like, yeah, you know, you, you're born with a bunch of money. You're going to have to find that passion. You're going to have to dig in and find what that thing's going to be. And certain people have the ability to do it. And I think you're right. There's like some people that just don't have that. Yeah, ability. certainly. That's not, that's not a broad stroke to say everybody with, that has money or came from money is lazy or anything. That's not, you know, that's not the reality. Yeah, for sure. People yeah. Get money and they go make a million into billions, you know, that happens all the time. But uh, it's certainly when it comes to the aspect of, uh, what their next thing in life is going to be like when you're in a sport it's like this is the only thing for people like people that don't have anything this is my thing for them like no big deal my dad owns a business i'll just become the ceo of that it's like cool you know that's such a good feeling (laughs) you know it's awesome i I grew up around the same thing man yeah you know i will tell you i'll give some of my friends some credits here um they were all kind of treated pretty good. So I didn't kind of, I wasn't around like a lot of my friends, their families had, you know, very well, wealth business, mm-hmm. but they kind of, they kind of didn't let them do anything. There's sometimes if you've noticed some of these ones too, where it's like the business will become so sized and they don't really let them do anything until they're like 30 years old. Yeah, that's true. That does happen quite a bit too. They like uh, protect them from having to worry about things. And they also look at them as, oh, you, you know, you're the son, you know, you got to kind of cut your, <laughs> you know, you got to cut your way through, but then also they see the mistakes, but you have the mistakes too. And you just figured out you, the liability is not all the way on you either. So mm-hmm. that's probably a different, a different, a different play. When you, um, when you moved into being an entrepreneur, what, what were some of the stresses that you found for yourselves? 
I mean, I know that you kicked in, went off that side, but well, in, in the pinnacle of growth, because that's where our scalability and things like that were, where that pressure was, what, what did you find? I know that, you know, I, I owned e-commerce stores too. And, you know, where, where were yours? Uh, nobody is going to do anything for you at the level that you would do it for yourself. And like, as I want somebody to be responsive to shit, write good copy, like respond to customers in a timely fashion, pick up the phone when people call, like if it's not theirs, they're not, they don't have that same level of like care. And so me understanding that, but then also working with that knowing that, Hey, that's just the reality of life. Like to expect someone to want to work, you know, around the clock, that's not reality. So molding my own mindset, that was a, a, a factor there. But then on the flip side, um, you know, the, the old saying, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Like I thought that was the reality, but the truth is if you do it right one time and then you document it and create an SOP, you can hand it to somebody else and they have clear guidelines on how to go do it successful ongoing. And that's the thing I had to learn um, as I started. Now it's not a thing. It's, you know, create operators, put them in positions, be successful, clearly define their goals, clearly define what their you know, daily tasks are. It's the easy thing. Then I didn't understand any of that. And I think also early, you're not hiring at the quality that you probably could too, right? Because you're kind of yeah. like, you know, hey, hey, Johnny, can you can you do this? And you're like, yeah. I got some money for you. And you're like, okay. Yeah. But there's not as much when you look at, you know, when you hire actual talent, the talent comes with a lot more too, you know, you're invest- sometimes even less investment if it's the right employee. Yeah, the experience, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, replace experience, right? Yeah. You know, I found that out. And I think like, even what you were saying, it's like, if you got to kind of know your business, I think I see, um, you could probably tap into this one pretty good, but you know, there's a lot of, like you had said like, oh, I did that course. And then I went, oh, I went and do SEO, but like, you still had to like cut through the mistakes. It's not like you just did a course and then it was all there. You like committed. And I think that we see a lot of people that are just buying these almost like business in the box. And then they're assuming that the machine is just going to run when in fact, you still have to like man the ship, (laughs) you know, you still got to man it. Like what, how have you seen that kind of play out? I'll give you an example. And this is something that, I mean, it's probably the most blatantly obvious example of this. People buy or they pay you for a service, right? And they ask you to help them with that service, marketing agency service style. And they want you to run the paid ads, design the creative, uh, manage the reporting, tell them what's working, tell them what's not working, and then give them ideas on how to do better. Um, And then at no point is there ever like a uh, expectation on their end that they have to actually be doing all of that too. You know, it's like, uh, and, and, uh, I had a client, um, guy raised like a hundred million dollars said, Cody, I want you to build hundreds of websites for me, e-commerce businesses and pay you millions of dollars. Yada, yada. All right. He's I'm like, what do you have to help? I have 140 employees. Okay, cool. Uh, in-house. Yeah. Oh, okay. I fly up there and I see him. I walk in. I'm like, man, this is a real deal. So we start. Come to find out, these guys don't know how to get into Facebook Business Manager. They don't know what Google Analytics is. And I'm already uh, knee deep. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, the reality is what we thought and what the reality uh, of the situation is are vastly different. But they essentially wanted me to build the entire entire business for them, these things for them, do everything for them. And that was just the expectation uh, wasn't met. Not never going to be met. But um, yeah, clear disconnect. So uh, you know, going into that as a, is a heartache, but, um, 
anyways, back to the question is like people ask you for things and they don't even know what they want. Like they don't, they're not even sure what they want you to do for them. You know, they don't even have a clue what, so understanding of how to work through that minutia to figure out what exactly you asked me to do for you um, is probably the biggest piece of that whole thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's um, definitely yeah, a disconnect through that process as, as being an entrepreneur in hiring and things like that. And especially hiring online now, right? Like it's a different, it's like different, you know, years ago, you'd bring someone in, you'd sit down, go for, but there's so many positions now that you don't even need to see the person. Yeah, there's our man. Remote job. Yeah. A Zoom call like once a month with some guy, they, they show up, they got a polo and they look good on the call, but then the rest of the month they're sitting around their underwear, like on a laptop on the back porch, like traveling. You don't know where they're at, what they're doing, what time they're online. Yeah. That's the world we live in. Um, so much truth for that too. What, what are your thoughts on that? Online, really? That's kind of current. That's kind of current events. What do you think? What do you think um, about our workforce? I, you know, you, you know, you know, you, you look at right now, I look at all these commercial buildings and I'm like, dude, these, People ain't going back. <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of empty ones, ain't there? Uh, it is funny because I feel like for the first time in history, the workforce is actually can call the shots now. The actual employee can call the shots. Typically, the employer has been like, I'm going to give you this much money. Now the employee can say, I don't give a shit. I can work from home and I can find any company in the world that will hire me. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to pay me that, I'll go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's the first time in history because the ability to work remote. Now, if you live in a certain geo and you got to find out, there's only so many jobs around you you can go work for, right? You have to take what you get when you're there and you live there. You got to go in the office. Now you don't have to go in the office. So that's the biggest shift is like the negotiation is in the employee's hands now. Like people can call their own shots for how much money they're going to get paid, what times they work, who they work for, because uh, there are a bunch of businesses that need a lot of people to work uh, in certain skills um, that are certainly valuable. So yeah, I, th I think you're right about that. And I think that like, you, you think that they're, do you think that the effects of morale are getting affected over the long run? Do you think that this is like a, and I go through this myself, I'm always kind of like, man, you know, are, are we, is this how it's going to be forever now? You just separate mm -hmm. from everyone? I mean, is that the thing now? You know, you just stay at home all day? Because I know that there's days that I'm like, dude, I, I kind of want to be around a lot more people. You know, I yeah. have to actually set that up in my life now, or it just doesn't happen in certain scenarios. The fair thing we we used to just like rely on the fact that we went to an office or we're around people every day and that was how we got that human interaction now you have to be intentional about oh i have to like go out and meet people and like make an effort to introduce myself shake hands start conversations otherwise i'm not going to get that elsewhere the job the workplace was literally the place where people did that so um do i think it's going to continue or the morale is going yeah i mean the companies that are going to excel are going to be the ones that make their employees feel like they're not disconnected or they are more um, intertwined with, you know, meeting people, having their in-person events quarterly, whatever it may be. Those are the ones that I think are going to have that company morale and, uh, you know, ultimately be successful. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think it's going to be an interesting transition, especially with all this like web point 3.0 and like, it's not going to stop. And we've obviously had this turnaround, but I don't think it's going to stop. <laughs> yeah, no you know, doubt. Gonna... I mean, closer everyone gets to, um, to the digital world. And I, and I say that meaning the more every single job and skill set in the world requires you to get online, the further away we get from that other world of being in person, shaking hands. Like the fact that in order for you to get somebody to come over and cut your grass, 
It's the most basic. It used to be like walk outside. The guy was cutting the grass down the road. You walk down there. Can you come? Yeah, grass? can you cut mine? <laughs> yeah, cut mine, bro. Yeah, here's my card. Sounds good. Nowadays, it's like you search. People search. They'll look up 40 companies that exist. And if you're not on there, you don't exist. Like you're not getting a call, an email, a text message, nothing. If you're not on the internet as a business, regardless of what it is, like as simple as just cutting grass, you're not going to get business. And like now you have to go out there and not only do you have to cut grass well, but now you have to like figure out how do I put myself online to make sure I can be in front of the right people. Um, and that's a, I mean, a opportunity for, for, for market agencies and whatnot, opportunity for most people. But now every service is like that. I mean, every service, like you yeah. drive down the road, see a dentist. That was the only dentist you'd go to, right? Now it's like, I need a dentist. Just go on your phone and you search and there's 42 of them right around you. And you're like, all right, I can take my pick. You know, it's so true. Downtown, there's only one dentist. Nope, there's 10 now. And they're all around town and they tell me where they're at. I mean, unless someone told you where they were, you didn't know. So the world yeah. is getting closer to digital every day, no matter what the industry is. Yeah, I think the conversation so many is for businesses also is just to find alternative ways to connect with each other. Cause I think it's just like, you know, you all, especially business, like so important that you're all on the same page. I mean, if you're not running the same direction, it's so yeah. difficult. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's, it's funny, like I hear your opinion on this, but like you hear people that say, no, I'm good. My business is in a good spot. I don't need that. And you and you like want to tell them like you do or else people are going to run by you or you're going the wrong direction. Like just trying to like get the foresight to tell them that. And it's, uh, I mean, sometimes it's like you can't, you can lead a horse to water or you can't make him drink type of thing. Right. Yeah. And we're, um, and this goes into probably like a sales and positioning and stuff like that, but it's like the, the, it's interesting that you say that because so many entrepreneurs, cause we work with entrepreneurs and stuff like that. It's like, there's always that in, I'm fine. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And you're like 99% of us are doing great. I don't think. Yeah. Everyone's great. Everyone's awesome. That Everyone has everything figured out. No. Every time someone says you're doing good, man, I don't know. What do you got? Teach me, show me, tell me, what am I missing? That's my response. What am I missing? Tell me what you think you got. You got a sales thing. Sell me it. That's how I am. I'm the guy that sells me what you got to sell. I tell everybody that I want to know, is it something better? Do I need to learn? That's what I think. To your point, I think that's like the detriment of entrepreneurs. Like, nah, man, I'm good. Like I'm making money and I feel good and I'm grinding and everything. And it's like, okay, six months went past and like you missed out on all the things that happened in the last six months because you've been focusing on, you know, just your thing and you thought you were great, but like you didn't have your open mind to just keep your head up a little bit and see, all right, what am I, what, what everybody else doing out here? You know, you know I just had this and I, I doubt that he'll ever see this episode, but there was somebody I was talking to um, and he was a little bit older and, um, you, you, I could just feel kind of his pain, you know? And, and one of the things that he said was, um, you know, I'm just stuck and I feel frustrated. And he's like, all these young kids keep messaging me. And if I don't respond, they reply back over and over. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, man, you forgot what it was like to be a dog. You forgot yeah. what it was like to be in the fight. You forgot what that was. And, you know, there's so many people and realize that the internet's still a little bit of a war. You've got to go play the game, you know? Yeah. What, what do you think is happening to, uh, you know, I'm getting older. I'm in my forties and things like that. How do you think that the generations as people are getting older are transitioning into all this digital stuff? Do you think it's affecting them even worse? Do you think that, you know, business wise, I think, you know, this ain't going to change. And there's a lot of, I've been online for what shoot almost 20 years now. And it's like, 
I still feel like I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, this oh, yeah. is insane. I thought I was smart 10 years ago. And then now I'm like, shit, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I got to catch up. Like, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, I open a laptop, I'm dangerous. Now I'm oh. like, crap, what is web 3.0? What is that crypto? Is that where I got to build a Google over there? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to research it. I feel like, oh, I'm too old. To that point, it's wild. Uh, there's always new things, new trends, new social medias, new, you know, ways to do certain things. And yeah, uh, that's, that's the truth. I don't think that's ever going to stop, right? Like, yeah, shit, you're 20 years in your life. Tell me all the things you've seen unfold in 20 years in this online world. Like, couldn't even begin. You probably, you probably forgot more than you remember, right? Like there's so many oh, things. Dude, I could tell. I, oh yeah, man. There was so many things we used to do. You can't even do them anymore. Yeah. Back in the day, they were perfectly cool and legal. Now they're considered black hat or like, it, it's not an option or like, you don't even, it doesn't even exist. It's like having the bag phone in your car, you know, like you needed to have a bag phone to have a phone in your car. Now you literally have a cell phone on your wrist, you know, like it's just, they don't exist. Like, it's not a thing. No one has a back phone anymore. That's what I feel like the internet has done in the last 20 years is like, let's shit. We went from the back phone to the, to the iWatch and people who weren't paying attention didn't realize how we got there. <laughs> oh, good fun. point. Yeah. 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 You're like, I got this flip phone. Life's moving on. You're like, yeah. Like, oh what shit. That was sweet in 2002. Awesome. That's well, I was kind of interested uh, to kind of touch base on, you know, embroidering and like people that get that kind of thing done. Um, I think that people love to be able to brand their own stuff, but I think that in the conversation we had like a minute ago, I think it's sometimes people think that it's out of reach because of those processes. It'd be kind of interesting just oh, yeah. to kind of talk about the process a little bit, because I think that it would maybe, maybe it would bridge the gap a little bit of people that would be like, man, I can actually do that pretty simple. You know, I negotiated a deal. We have moved shirts and all that kind of stuff. And we have the whole process ships out, gets on. And, but the benefit of that really changed in your view, how do you see it? Not as a sales pitch, but just as <laughs> no, there's an entire world out there that they started out called print on demand, right? Like this, this entire world evolved over the last like 10 years, like 10 years ago, you know, the Teesprings in the world popped up and it was like, what, somebody else is going to make a shirt and send it to the customer I sell to, you know, that wasn't really a thing. Um, and now it's, you can literally go to Shopify, WordPress, WooCommerce, whatever, click an app, download a plugin, and you can literally have access to tens of thousands of products. All you have to do is customize and somebody else is going to print them. They're going to ship them. They're going to send the tracking, all that work. All you got to do is focus on, on, is my design good enough? And can I market this to the right people? Um, before you'd have to do everything. I got to mm -hmm. find the shirt, the shirt color, the sizes, are they the right? How's it fit and feel? Is it a good shirt? These people vet all that stuff for you. They know which products are selling. They know which Hats are right. They know how to do it. They know how to manufacture, box them, ship them, all that stuff you don't have to worry about. People just, uh, you know, I know you, Jason, like you probably put something in a box and shipped it to someone that you sold and was like, yeah, this is awesome. And you did that again and again and again. And you're like, shit, this is a lot of work. And like all that work that we've done in that realm, you don't have to do no more. Like you don't have to think about it. And it's almost, you know, it's almost wild to think that exists now because like these people don't skin their teeth on having to ship their own stuff. Like they don't have to go through the hurdle of like, I got to figure out how to ship this product and like give it to the world. Now it's not even an option. You can just literally, it's a button. Yeah. You just literally click a button and somebody else is going to do all that work for you. It's, it's as simple as like you just said, you click a button and there is not only tens of thousands of dollars of stuff that you don't have to pay to learn and do, but there's tens of like tens and 20 and 30 years of experience of other people that are doing things that you don't have to learn, you know, yeah. um, to that it's wild.
And what, what is it? This is, I think, people to kind of look at that point. But what have you ever calculated what the cost separation of doing it in-house and then saying, hey, I'm going to ship it out? Is it like, do you think it's like a 30% increase? Like you're, you have yeah. to pay 30% for it. What do you think that is? It's crazy. You got to think if you hire a W-2, not only, you know, you got salaries that you're paying, you got insurance, uh, you get taxes. Uh, you know, you got all the software it takes to manage those people. You got the actual space to have those individuals come in and do something. Warehousing costs, equipment costs. I mean, it's got to be. I would like to your you're thinking 20, 30 percent. Like it's in the I think it's in the thousands of percentages. Mm. To print a t-shirt, if you do the math, to print a $20 t-shirt that you sell, you'd have to go buy a five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar piece of machinery. The they good old spinners, man. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, exactly. Spin the thing, get the head. I did their business. Sitting in your, sit in your garage, and you just wonder is is this a is this a, a three screen? Is this yeah, do we need color? which color yeah. is this? Is, is the heater on the right temperature? Like mm-hmm. all that stuff, man. Been there, do that. No one has to know how to do that now, which is wild. Like, yeah, never it brings me back some memories. Oh, right? Wow. Think about all that though, like all those experiences and stuff that you like. You have to know to do that. They don't even exist. Yeah, people don't. You don't even have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, it's not even a thing. Now it's just an automatic printer. You can literally put it in a printer. It'll print like a regular printer and ship a shirt out. It's wild. Yeah, Yeah, we. I remember nights and e-com and it's so much we were selling. And I remember holidays. I'd have to be there till like three in the morning with my shipping department, and I'm just in there like ripping everything out, trying to get it going. And you're just like, this doesn't stop. And you're like, and you know what the thing and and by the scale that you shared with me is like, when you scaled at that point, you you literally are running around with your chicken with your head cut off. Because you're like trying to figure out the volume, the problems at the same time. Were you in a new building or were you in a smaller building when it actually kind of gave you that first kick? Uh, First kick, small building. Then it was like, Mm -hmm. we're going to need it. It's like, I felt like I was on draws. We're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) <laughs> it's like uh, I need I need bigger equipment, more people, more space, and then uh, yeah, that's always fun trying to take everything and transition it while continuing to run your business. You know, moving places. You've been there before. How long um, have you? Uh, how, how long did it take you? Because I remember this one. How long did it take you to like believe it? Because I remember it was like month after month. I'm like, I don't know if this is gonna. I don't know if. This- yeah like like you would hoard the money like i don't know if i should save this in case this never happens again or it's not going to keep happening should i should i spend this money on new stuff or should i just let it sit in the account to see if you know somebody's going to ask for this back <laughs> like yeah. i had the same thought like imposter syndrome style like yeah is this reality uh for sure um uh, man it took i'm still i to be honest man i still everything i do i mean i've built a business and sold them make the money but still i'm like man is it this simple? I still ask that, but like, it's not this simple because like the stuff we talk about, like this experience that we have, the, the things we've gone through, uh, things that, you know, t- years of experience of how to do things that we don't, we just do second nature now. Um, but yeah, I still constantly think like, ah, well, let's make sure I manage this money properly and do this right by, you know, whatever my employees, my partners, my contractors, my vendors, um, you know, still you used to be like, all right, I'm going to save this percentage of the money coming in to make sure that just in case that's like my case money, right? Just in, shit pops off. I good. You know, I still got the uh, case in case shit pops off money. I'm good. Like just to make sure that this stuff's not going to fail or blow up or be able to handle emergencies when they come up. Yeah. That money sits next to my gun. 
<laughs> exactly. That's the that's your in case money you, in case you got to get out of town. <laughs> exactly. That's that. Hey, these shoes are these are the perfect shoes to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Shove it in the, in your in your Jordans and your nine. Dude, you're out. <laughs> Jordans in a nine. <laughs> uh, gone. Oh man, that is so cool, man. Yeah, man, you came from the time period as you kicked off. There was just so many things going on, man. And I, we were talking earlier one time, it was just like the whole GoDaddy thing, buying domains. And, you know, you'd get this off-brand, you know, company that would have a domain company and they'd sell domains, but you thought they were bullshit. So you're like, yeah. oh, I just got to stay with GoDaddy. And then you, re- yeah. yeah, man, there's a lot of, a lot of wow. stuff that you go through. I still think it's funny the whole like there was an era where people would buy these things, hoard them and sit on them and just wait for someone that wanted to buy them. And that's how they were going to make money. That was like their strategy. Let me buy thousands of dollars with the domain names and just wait for somebody to want to buy it. Like, what the hell strategy is that? Nowadays, yeah. it's like, oh, like the Facebook started the Facebook. That's right. THE. They bought Facebook from someone, right? Yeah, they had to go buy Facebook. And I'm like, well, that one guy is the one guy I know that that, that, that strategy worked out for. Like he said on Facebook forever, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you became some of those guys became like domain brokers and then yeah, they, they would have thousands and they would try to sell them and i think godaddy still does that they try to broker for people and you can oh yeah sell your domain and everything yeah like i had that. a thing pop up earlier today i was i was transferring a domain that we sold a we sold a store to somebody and it's like uh your domain is worth twenty five hundred dollars and i'm like how where like to who <laughs> like i'm like what this is domain. Well, no, you like sell. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Is there a button I click where I get the money? No, you have to do some all sorts of craziness. Broker it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Dude, your story is awesome, man. This has been an incredible episode. Um, you could tell that you have some depth in this. There's always people I get on, and I'm like, hey, man, you really you've gone through some yeah. shit. And so those are, those are always great stories, man. I, I appreciate you, man. How, how do people get a hold of you, man? I know that we can do people can do embroidery with you. They could do a lot of things, man. How can they yeah. get a hold of you? So uh, we have we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we have a local uh, business marketing agency, a uh, little small team over there. We have it's called localguysmarketing.com. Um, it's local business, service based businesses. To our point, we talked about earlier, like these guys need to catch up, or they're gonna they're gonna lose out. So localguysmarketing.com is number one. You can just go to codyneer.com if you're trying to just connect with me personally. Um, obviously, it's you'll see the links on there for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those channels that you might need to, to, to connect there. Um, so, but yeah, you'll see our apps on the marketplace on Shopify, uh, Big Stitches on there, Funnel Orders. If you're a ClickFunnels person, Funnel Orders connects your funnel uh, to Shopify. So you can run sales from your Shopify store through a click funnels and then have that talk back and forth, um, smoothly subscriptions and all that stuff. So yeah, those are, uh, those, that's how you connect. And those are the things that if you see out there, that's me. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you, man. This was an op- op- awesome episode with you, Cody Near. Thanks a lot for coming on the Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved podcast. For any of you guys that also look at other episodes, look back for Chris Weiser. We just released that one, another amazing episode. And make sure you hit the subscribe button. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, Have a great thanks, rest Jason. of your day. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.